0: You're good. Well, good morning. Good morning. We are, I'm just going to put one row in the middle, make all you guys sit together, just do that. that that's next week, how the church gets along. Um, hey, I'm so glad to be back. Um, I'm so glad um, to be here um, with you guys this morning and, and just be a part of the series. Um, grace means a lot to me. Um, it's one of the reasons we we named the church Grace Baptist, it's one of the reasons it's actually tattooed in Greek on my arm which none of you will ever see because it's way up here Um, because I believe my life is marked um, by grace but I don't think that we have a really good understanding always of what grace is. And I think Stu did a great job um, last week of just kind of opening up and saying kind of what it's not just about, just, it's not just forgiveness and, and everything. And so um, if it's not that, then what is it? If it's not just that, then how does that look and how is it lived out in our lives? And that's what I'm really excited about Um, over the next couple of weeks as we move into Easter and we're moving towards Holy Week and and all those things, that we really get a picture of what grace really should look like in our lives on a day-to-day basis. And, And so if you have your Bibles this morning, turn to Matthew chapter 11. And we're going to be kind of sitting in there, do a little bit of review and all that stuff. But in Matthew 11, um, again, if you want to find our Wi-Fi GBC guest, just type in find more for the password and do all that. And as always, you know, I'm always reminded every time I open these words of how important they are and how powerful they are and how my words mean absolutely nothing compared to these words. And so I'm going to ask if you'll just stand with me as we read this short little passage. It's probably very familiar to all of us. But in Matthew 11... Starting in verse 28, Jesus says this. He says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me, because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Will you pray with me? God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the opportunity to come and just to speak again. I missed this last week. Um, I so enjoy being able just to just open your word, but God, it's not about me. It's not about my ideas or videos or PowerPoints or any of that stuff. God, it's about your word. It's about what you want to say. And so this morning, God, I pray that you would just move me aside. That you would just take every distraction that's in our life. God, every worry, every concern, every plan or all the stuff that's going on god and that you would just quiet those voices and that the only voice we hear this morning is yours god that you would speak to our hearts god that we take you at your word when you said your word will pierce our very hearts and so god pierce us today i pray these would be your words not mine god i pray that we would have ears to hear and hearts to respond including me God, that you would use this message, that you would use these words to change us, to challenge us, God, to move us from where we are to where we're supposed to be. And that we would have the courage to do something about it. God, to deal with whatever needs to be dealt with, to live out on a daily basis this amazing thing we call grace. So God, guide our time, lead our time, let this be all about you. And may you get all the glory. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Give me seated. So I I believe all my heart that grace is more. And that's kind of what Stu talked about a little bit last week. Um, He he was really kind of trying to give us like a basis, an opening point of it. And I think for us, we get locked in this idea that grace is forgiveness. And and it is, but it's so much more. But we we get kind of stuck in this idea that it's just about me coming. I get grace. I say grace at meals or, or, you know, it's just what I get from God. And then that's it. And and the problem is, I think a lot of us, we know the saying and we believe this. And I believe this is true, that God loves me just as I am. And, And I believe that with all my heart, that God meets us right where we're at. That we don't have to clean ourselves up, we don't have to do any stuff, we don't have to study things or, or get our lives right before we come to God. But it's that his grace is what gets our lives right. But I think what we forget and we get lazy about is that God's love also means he won't leave me where I'm at. That it's not the idea that I get saved and then that's it. That I just, that's it, That that that's the whole thing. Like, I, I accept God's grace, I, my sins are forgiven, and then, boom, I'm done. And that's that. it's so much more that God doesn't want us just to stay a little baby all the time, that God doesn't want us just to stay at that same place, that we should be growing, and we should be moving, and we should be moving forward in what God has created us to be and everything, be, because grace is just the beginning of it. In fact, I think that's what I'm... That's what Stu touched on last week a little bit. If you remember this verse, um, Titus two eleven and twelve, um, Stu spoke at this. But listen, to what it says It's "For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, instructing us to deny godlessness and worldly lust, and to live in a sensible, righteous, and godly way in the present age." Look at that last part. Grace came so that we would live in a sensible, righteous and godly way in the present age grace isn't just about salvation grace is about us living every single day it's about moving and i think the problem is with most people in the church and most people that get like a glimpse of grace and part of i think a lot of this is the way we've preached grace is that we've been paralyzed by grace That we get in this idea that it's just this one-time thing, and then I just ask forgiveness, and then I'm a dirty, rotten sinner, and so I ask forgiveness again and again and again. But grace is for every day living. It's for every single day we live. It's how we live out our faith. It's how we grow in our faith and everything. In fact, it's so connected with all the parts of our faith that I think we forget that and we minimize what grace actually is in our lives. In fact, in the New Testament, over and over, grace is connected to things. It says grace and power, grace and thanksgiving, grace and suffering, grace and generosity, grace and gifts, grace in working and serving. Grace is connected to all of it that we do and all that we're supposed to be for Christ and become. It's not just simply forgiveness. See, I, I think the problem is, is we get this idea and we believe this. And, we've been, and I've been in those churches. I grew up in those churches where, you know, they would sit there and say, you're a dirty, rotten sinner. You're the scum of the earth. You're worm food. You're nothing. It's by God's grace that you don't even, like, die right now. And, and so we feel like we are always stuck sinning. And so we always pray. You know, I don't know if you know people like this. I don't know if this is like you. I'm not knocking anything. But do you know people that at the end of every prayer. And forgive us where we failed. I pray it all the time. Forgive us where I sinned and didn't know I sinned. And and this idea that I'm always sinning. So the question is to this morning. If I am always sinning. Then how am I becoming like Christ? Think about that for a minute. That's the goal of this. Remember? The goal of salvation is not heaven. The goal of Christ's sacrifice and Easter and everything is for us to be conformed to the image of Christ to become just like him. And so if I am always sinning, then how am I becoming more like Christ? See, I think that we get stuck in this idea of the Old Testament grace. Turn your Bibles to Hebrews 10. Let me me give you just an example of this. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews 10, starting at verse 1. Listen to what the author says. He says, Since the law has only a shadow of the good things to come and not the reality itself of those things, it can never perfect the worshipers by the same sacrifices they continually offer year after year. Otherwise, wouldn't they have stopped being offered since the worshipers purified once and for all would no longer have any conscience of sins? But in the sacrifice, there's a reminder of sins year after year. If you don't know what's going on here, we're talking about the Old Testament kind of sacrificial system. Here's what would happen. Once a year, they would get together and they would do this great sacrifice, the sacrifice of atonement. And basically, they would have like a goat and everything. And the priest would come on and he would lay his hands. And the idea is to lay his hands on the, all the sins of the people. And he would just go and run. They'd run him out of the tent or they'd run him out of the town and stuff. And so everybody was good for the year. But guess what was happening next year at the same time? Another sacrifice. Another sacrifice. That's why it says year after, look what it says. For it's impossible. Um, verse 3, but in the sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins year after year. And I believe our enemy is trying to remind us of our sins year after year after year. And one of the greatest Mistrials of grace and misteachings of grace that we've done in the church is the idea that you're a dirty, rotten sinner. Then why does my Bible says that he who knew no sin became sin, that we would become the righteousness of God? You see, I believe we can go and become more like Chris, Christ where we stop sinning. I don't think we were perfected yet, which means we're still going to make mistakes, but I don't think every single day you have to sin. I think every day you can grow a little bit more like Christ. And so there's less of a bondage of sin on you and more of the freedom in Christ. And that's what grace does. It's not for me to say, oh, I'm sorry. I screwed up. I sinned. God love you. Forgive me. And he does that. And then the next day, like, oh, God, I did it again. Because if that's your understanding of grace, you and I don't know the same Grace. You haven't received the same grace because I'm not saying we're going to be perfect, but I'm saying that we don't have to keep going on like I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. I'm a dirty, rotten sinner. Because that's, it, that's the Old Testament idea of grace. When Christ came, it was one died. Remember the verse in Romans, I believe? Romans? Out of one man, sin entered the whole world, but out of one man, salvation entered the world once and for all. <gasps> There's no reason why Jesus, that's the reason Jesus on the cross at the very end says, it's finished. Tete la it's paid for, it's done. See, grace is so much more than just forgiveness. See, I think we need to start understanding the full work of grace. That it does a lot more than just relieves us of our sin and and covers our sin. That the full work of grace, again, remember, is to be conformed to his image. That's the goal. You and I are supposed to become just like Jesus perfect in every way that's always been the standard god has never changed that standard for us that's what the law was there to show us that we couldn't do it ourselves that we couldn't maintain we couldn't hold that standard and then grace enters the picture and i know we have all these unmerited favor you know god getting what we don't deserve all these things and all those things are true but it's so much more than that it is the grace of god that starts conforming us to the image of christ that's the goal that's what it says in Romans eight twenty nine, For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. By the way, the verse before that is the verse we all like. All things work to the good of those who love him and called according to his purpose. What's the good thing? This answers that. To be conformed to the image of his son. See see the truth is is we need to understand that grace grace is a cure not a treatment Think about that for a moment We treat grace like a treatment I have an owie I put a little salve on it there it's go I have an owie again I put a little more salve on it No it's the cure we treat, we treat sin and stuff like arthritis. It's just a pain i got to deal with, and so I'm going to take some Tylenol, I'm going to take some other pills, and it makes the pain go away, and it masks the pain, and it covers the pain, but it never really cures the pain, does it? Grace cures the disease of sin. It's not just a treatment of it. That's an amen. <laughs> That's good news, y'all. That it's dealt with once and for all. That it's cured. It's not a disease. And sin is a disease. It's the worst cancer this world has ever known. It affects everything. It affects our relationships. It affects our our physical health. It affects our mental health. It It affects everything that it touches. It destroys. And when Christ came and he died for us, it cured that. And so we are no longer slaves to it. By the way, we're still slaves. I think we we love that idea. It's a freedom that we don't quite grasp a hold of. Because my Bible says that we were bought with a price, that we are no longer ours. But the problem is, the difference is, is we're no longer just slaves to something that's going to destroy us. We're slaves to something that brings us life and fulfillment and purpose and perfection. You see, we are called... to be cured of this but not only that not only that it's an invitation to work did you know that it's it's a, it's an invitation to join god in the family business it, it's an invitation to come involved. and now i know some of you may be sitting there going like wait a minute i'm saved by grace not by works send any man boast." and i'm saying you're absolutely right you are saved by grace not by works But if you go over to James, James starts throwing that around saying, yeah, but you show me your faith without works and I'll show you my faith by my works, by the way I live. And it is an invitation to start working. It's an invitation to join God in this family business. In fact, Paul knew this. Paul knew this. Look what he says in first Corinthians three nine. He says, for we are God's co-workers. You are God's field, God's building. He's talking about the Corinth. He looked at Corinth in this entire area. This is the field that God has prepared for us to work in. You're building it. And guess what? I'm a co-worker with him. You ever thought of yourself that way? That I get to join God. I get the privilege of joining God where he's already working and be a co-worker with him. There are passages that uh, give us the picture of us being co-creators with God. That God is the ultimate creator, but then we get to come alongside and create stuff that's happening and lives that are changed and, and restoration, but we are co-workers for God. Have you ever thought of that? How cool is that? I love how Blackaby puts it. I love that Blackbee says, we never start anything new. We are always invited where God is always working. That's, that's the first step in really understanding God and experience God. To understand, see where he's working and join him in the work that he's already doing. That we're invited to work with him. That's grace. The invitation to work. Paul goes on, look at this. Look at this, he says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Do you see the, the tie, the connection between grace and working? Paul saying, listen, I worked harder. I strived harder, but it wasn't me. It was the grace of God that allowed me to do this, to be a part of this. That's the work of grace. It it is the cure, but it is also an invitation to join God in His kingdom and and to do all of that. I I love that. Dallas Willard, who has been like a church planning guru and everything, said this. He says, Grace is not opposed to effort, it's opposed to earning. We don't earn grace. But there is effort in it. There is work to be done. There should be life change. It should be lived out in us the way we live our lives. It should be evident in the way I'm growing closer to Christ. I love this. Richard Foster said this. You go, yes. Grace saves us from a life without God. Even more, it empowers us for a life with God. Did you catch that? Grace saves us for a life without God. It is the free gift of God, salvation, restoration. But it doesn't end there. It moves us to that we have a life with God, which means that I'm living this out with him. On a daily basis, I'm growing in it. I'm learning to become more like him. Grace is the thing that empowers us to do that. It's not just forgiveness. It's not just a prayer it is a life altering life changing thing that affects us or should affect us every single day we we have to get this if we want to get grace we have to stop being stuck in the rut and the, the same rhythm of like I'm a dirty rotten sinner. God forgive me, God forgive me, God forgive me, God forgive me. You mess up, then yes, go to him. The Bible's very clear. You know, you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And when we screw up and the Holy Spirit prompts us and we know we gotta deal with it, then we deal with it right now. By the way, if you don't deal with it right away, you become numb to it. See, I think we can become numb to sin because we don't deal with it or we say, well, that's just the way it is. This is just who I am. One day I'll be perfected. Well, one day is today. God wants to perfect you every single day. God, God, is, God is changing you and transforming you. But I think we can also get numb to grace when we treat it so flippantly as something that I just pray. And not something I live. See, grace should change the way I view my life and my standing with God. But grace should also change the way I view other people and their standing with God. And the need for grace in other people's lives. It should change the way... We do our jobs. It should change the way that we talk to people. It should change the things we read. It should change everything because it is the transforming work of conforming us to Christ. That's what grace is. God, listen, God doesn't need you and me to sing songs to him and worship him. He doesn't need us to go out and share the gospel or to have churches or anything. He invites us to be part of that, to come into his presence, to be transformed. That is grace. And no, we don't deserve it. And when we make it just something as simple as just forgiveness, we belittle it. We belittle what Christ did on that cross. We belittle the resurrection. See, if it was just about forgiveness, there wouldn't have been an Easter morning. Do you ever think about that? <laughs> it would have been just about forgiveness of sins. That means you and I would pray a prayer. We'd ask God to forgive us in that moment. Boom, we go to heaven. We're done. We're dead. But what we're about to celebrate here in about five weeks is the resurrection of Christ and, and the living out of grace. Because that's what grace does. It empowers us for life with God not someday by and by some sweet morning when I see the Lord I'll fly away I love that song the problem is is too many Christians are flying away today instead of living today through grace see there's a deeper side of grace The forgiveness of sins, the cleansing of sins, that offering, that gift that God gives us, it's it's just the beginning of that. You see, grace brings growth. It should. If it's doing its job, you should be growing. Listen, if you can look at your life and say, I am no closer or no more like Jesus today than I was a year ago, there's a problem. And for so many of us, we have settled for just staying a baby. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And we never get past that. And He wants so much more for us. Grace brings growth, grace allows us entrance into God's presence. And by the way, when you come into God's presence, it changes you. You can't leave the same. I think there's only two options. There are are two different pictures in the Bible of someone coming into God's presence. There's Isaiah who understands, woe is me. I am a man of unclean lips among a people of unclean lips. I am not worthy of this. And what happens? The angel comes down, touches his lips with a coal and says, you are now clean. You don't hear any more woes after that, do you? When God said, who will we send? He didn't say, well, I'm not worthy. I can't. I'm just dirt. I'm not, no, he'd been cleansed. That is coming into God's presence and his grace, and it changed him, and it empowered him to go out and become one of the greatest prophets they had. The other instance of this is the rich young ruler you find in the Gospels that comes to Jesus. and says, what do I have to do for eternal life? And Jesus gives him the commandments, not even all of them. He just gives them half of them. He gives them the easy ones. Obey your parents. Don't steal, don't cheat, don't lie, don't do this stuff, you know? Don't cuss, don't drink, don't chew, don't go with girls that do. (laughs) The young man's like, oh, I got all those. Those are the easy parts. It was the relationship to God that he didn't get. You notice Jesus never mentioned to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, all your strength. Don't have any idols before him because he knew he had an idol, that rich young man. It was his riches, and so Jesus attacked that, and he said, hey, give away everything that you have and come follow me, and he went away sad. Those are only two options. We leave changed or we leave sad when we're in God's presence the change comes because of grace that God even allows us in that presence in the first place so grace brings growth in fact that's that's what we just read let me bring this up to you for those he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters that's the goal get that in your head Romans 8.29, get that in your head, that that's the goal. Heaven is a benefit. Those pearly gates, the streets of gold, they're nice, but what happens if those gates are like rusty and the streets are dirt? Is it still worth it? It is when I'm being conformed to to his son. See, that's the job of grace. That's why we have it. See, because there was a moment in history, a very brief moment, when we were just like his son. And we were perfect, and we had a perfect relationship with him. It was beautiful. God walked through the garden in the cool of the day and hung out. Could you imagine those conversations? Hey, Adam, what are you going to name that? Platypus. (laughs) That'll mess up people. That'll be fun. (laughs) What are you doing today? I don't know. I'm just going to go for a swim. Hey, can I jump? I mean, can you imagine that relationship with God? By the way, the birth of skinny dipping is biblical. Just want you to know. (laughs) We had that and we lost that when we said, God, I'd rather do it my way. And then we have an entire history setting the stage for Jesus Christ to come that we are going to talk about in depth in a few weeks. That he died on a cross and then he rose again, all for the fact that we are supposed to go back to that. That has always been the standard and it is by grace that we can live that standard today. Grace brings growth. Now, how? You know, I'm telling you all these great things like that's awesome. How? Well, here. There's an invitation to learn and grow from Jesus. If you want to know how to live for God and live like God and live like Jesus, here's a a clue. Look at Jesus. (laughs) The Bible says he is the visible image of the invisible God. Everything we need to know about God and how to live for him, Jesus showed us. It took him three years, and he showed us everything we need to know everything we need to know. And so we look at Jesus and that's what this invitation is in Matthew 11. Turn back there. Look at it. Look at it. in verse 28, it's the invitation. Come to me, all you who are wearied and burdened. Is there anybody here that's not weary or burdened in some way, some form? Do you know anybody? It is an invitation to all come to me. I don't know a person on this planet that is not wearied and burdened by something. There are proponents of Christianity that says, you're so exclusive. You only want sort of the right people. No, we want all people <laughs> In fact, it's the most inclusive group. Every other religion, there are certain things that you have to be either born in or become to actually get, or things you have to go through before you can even be considered. Jesus says, everyone, come to me, all of you who are wearied and burdened. And what does he promise? And I will give you rest. This past Monday, we were on vacation. I know some of us, we make itineraries. My itinerary for Monday was to stay in my pajamas and to sit here and read all day. And it was beautiful. We've lost the idea of rest. We've lost the idea of having a Sabbath. By the way, that's still important to have a day of rest and reflection on God. Sunday is not my day of Sabbath, by the way. I just want you to know I'm working. (laughs) This is exhausting. And nowhere in the Bible does it say it has to be a Saturday, it has to be a Sunday, but we need a day of rest. And the only place we're going to find rest, honestly, and true rest is in Jesus. He says, I'll give you rest. But look what else he says. He says, take up my yoke and learn from me because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Take up my yoke. You guys know what a yoke is, right? (coughs) Anybody been around a farm? Put a yoke on an oxen or a cow. That's how you steer them. That's how you. Jesus says put my yoke on you. Take my teachings, my learnings, my life and put it on you and learn from me. Isn't that awesome that a lot of our Bibles have all his words in red? (laughs) So you know exactly when it is Jesus speaking. I mean, I feel bad because I feel like we've dumbed down the Bible a little bit because we have to do that. But I want to challenge you over the next couple of weeks from now, Easter, look up every red word, red letter word in your Bible and read it. And once you're done, read it again. Come to me. Learn from me. Learn from me. See, see, grace is more than knowing Grace is about being. You understand the difference? I know lots of people that know about Jesus. I know lots of people that know about scripture, but their life doesn't reflect any of it because grace isn't about just knowing. It's about about being. It's about being with him. On a daily basis is about being like him and growing more like him. It's about being the person God always intended me to be. That's what grace does. And the only way we get that is when we come unto him. For his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Jesus invites us learn from me. And that's something you can't do just on a Sunday morning. Listen to somebody preach. It has to be every day. If we want to get from just knowing about grace and actually being in grace and living in grace and doing it, we have got to fall in love with these words and we have to let them penetrate our heart. And we have to learn and understand. Listen, I, everyone here knows John 3, 16. Every time I read it, I figure out something new. For God so loved the world, the cosmos is the Greek, everything That he gave his only begotten son, his only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Do you understand the entire reason the Bible is here is in that verse? Four, Four words. Everything God has ever done in all of eternity for us, through us, and everything is summed up in four words. For God so loved learn from me he says and we will experience grace and by the way it's 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 an everyday thing it's something we have to just dig in and do every single day i I love it d.l moody one of my favorite favorite preachers said this he says a man can no more take in a supply of grace for the future than he can eat enough today to last him for the next six months nor can he inhale sufficient air into his lungs with one breath to stay in life for a week to come. We are permitted <coughs> to draw upon God's store of grace from day to day as we need it. If the only time you're experiencing grace is here on Sunday mornings because we sang some songs and you listened to a sermon, it's not enough. Not to conform you, not to shape you, not to change your life. It's not enough. And we have made, we've made our our faith like an event that I go to. I'm feeling down, so I'm going to go to a conference. We've become conference junkies. There are so many conferences. (laughs) Oh my gosh, just Google Christian conferences and there'll be like a million pages, like go to this one, go to that one, go to this one, go to this one, go to that. When all we really need is this word, to learn from him and to become more like him and every day i can wake up god i need i need a little bit more grace today because it is a well that never runs dry it's never never depleted don't be don't be paralyzed by grace don't be paralyzed so that you're not moving any forward Because it's so much more. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to dive in a little bit even more deeper. How do we live this out? What does this look like? And everything. But this morning, I just want you to know, again, reiterating that, that it's more than forgiveness. It's for life every single day. That you should wake up tomorrow and be just a little bit more like Jesus. You should know him a little bit better. It's my prayer every morning. God, may I love you a little better. May I know you a little more today. Even if it's just a tiny step, God, just keep moving me forward. That's what grace does. That's what grace looks like. That's the kind of grace the world needs to see so, so desperately. Where are you this morning? Are you still at I'm a dirty, rotten sinner or I'm a sinner saved by grace and I'm going to live like it every day? Let's pray.